please do keep Revelation chapter 3 open for me because we've no slides tonight, we've no handouts tonight, so we've just got me and the Bible, so please do open it up so that you can see what I'm saying is in the text. Um, also, just before we kind of get into it, uh, before I pray as well, something really interesting in this one, if you have a look at verse 1, to the angel of the church of Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. And maybe you're thinking, seven spirits of God? Surely there's only one spirit of God. You're right, there only is one spirit of God. But in Revelation, the number seven is this idea of wholeness. So just in thinking, in case you're thinking, what are these seven spirits of God? There is just one Holy Spirit, and this is just a way of describing him. But let's pray as we come to look at this tonight. Our Father, we thank you for these letters to the churches. And we thank you that this is a letter for our church and for every church across the world today and through all time. And Lord, we would pray tonight that as we consider what you say to the church in Sardis, that you would speak to us tonight, speak to us as a congregation, speak to us as individuals within it as well. But we long tonight to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the really quite scary things about social media, Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or any of those things, is that you can create a reputation for yourself that is not actually reality. Maybe you've been tempted to do that sometimes yourself, if you're an avid user of social media, to post up kind of like the highlight reel of your life, those things that you want everyone to know about you or think about you, or th this lifestyle that you want think people to think you have. But the reality is that that is not you. Or maybe you know people and you see the things that they post online and you see the pictures they put up and you know them well enough to know that that is not their reality. Every picture they put up, it's loving life, happy times, whenever you know they're really depressed. Or maybe you, you, they put up pictures of them with their friends whenever you know that they're actually very lonely. It's very easy today to create a reputation which isn't actually reality. And tonight as we turn to the letter to the church in Sardis, that's exactly what we see. We see a church with a wonderful reputation, a marvelous reputation, but a reputation that doesn't match reality. If you have a look with me at the text there, you'll see in verse 1 that what their reputation is. Look what it says there. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. Now, I imagine that if the Lord Jesus turned up here tonight as our guest speaker and he walked through these doors and he came up here to the front and he said, Listen, Raven Hill, I know your reputation, and that is a reputation of being alive. We would feel very happy, wouldn't we? Because you don't want to have a reputation of being a dead church, do you? You don't want to have a reputation of being a church that isn't alive. You want to have a good reputation. We want to have a good reputation in this community. We want to have a good reputation where we're placed. If Jesus came here tonight and said, you have a really good reputation of being alive, we would all say, why, thank you, Jesus. We're really glad to hear that. And so you can imagine as this church in Sardis, as they hear the beginning of the letter, they're thinking, oh, yes. Jesus says we have this reputation of being alive. It sounds so good. 
And then I think they would have been even more pleased because Jesus actually tells them what's given them this reputation. And again, it's something that I think we would be really, really pleased about. If you have a look at the text again, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. It's their deeds which have given this reputation. It's what they've done or what they're doing. Their deeds are the things that have given this, this wonderful reputation of being alive. Now, one of the things we can't be sure of is whether Jesus here is referring to past deeds that they've done or present deeds. He might be referring to past deeds. He might be saying, hey, church in Sardis, you have this wonderful reputation of being alive because of all the stuff you've done in the past. All those missions you did. All that good work you did with the community. All those things you did long ago. Because of those things, you have this wonderful reputation in the city. It might be because of past deeds. Or it could be because of present deeds. Maybe it's because of the great things they're doing in Sardis. Maybe they're helping the poor. Maybe they're helping the lonely. Maybe they're clothing the naked. Maybe they're feeding the sick. Maybe they run a wonderful after-schools program. Who knows what it is? We don't know exactly what they're doing. But Jesus says to this church, because of your deeds, I know them. I know the things you're doing. I know the things you're involved in. I know what you're doing as a church. And you have this wonderful reputation of being alive. If that was Jesus speaking to us tonight, wouldn't we be so proud? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we be so pleased? i got to say, as the minister, I would be. Yes, Jesus, brilliant. We have a good reputation and we're doing lots and lots of good stuff. However, then it turns. Right in the middle, there is a but. There's a but. Hey, church in Sardis, I know your deeds. I know all the good stuff you're doing. And you have this wonderful reputation of being alive. But look at the end of verse 1. But you are dead. You're dead, Jesus says to them. If we pick up a, a picture that Jesus uses when he's speaking to the Pharisees, he calls them whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, you're whitewashed, you've got this lovely white paint all around you, but you're a tomb inside, you are dead. And this is what he says to the church in Sardis. You look alive, you have the reputation for being alive, but my assessment of you church is that you are spiritually dead. You're dead. Spiritually, you're not up to anything. You are dead, Jesus says to this church. Now imagine him saying that to us. That'd be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? That would be so hard to hear. That would be so difficult to hear. And the good news is, I don't think it is true of us, so don't panic. <laughs> But it would have been awful for the church in Sardis to hear this. You're doing loads of good stuff. 
this wonderful reputation, but my assessment of you is that you are dead. Now, why are they dead? What are they doing that makes them dead? Well, the clues are actually kind of at the end of the letter to the church of Sardis. The clues are actually in verses 4 through to 6. And, and this is the way these letters work. Very often, the, the details and, the, and the, the promises for the church at the end often kind of highlight what's wrong in them. So if you have a look at verse 4, it says there, so it says, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. So one of the reasons Jesus says that the church is dead is because the people in Sardis, most of the congregation, have soiled their clothes. Now, that doesn't mean they've gone out and played football and got dirty. It's, it's symbolism. It's talking about spiritually. They're just living like the pagans around them. They're not obeying God. They're unclean. They're doing the things that everyone else does. They're not obeying the ways of Jesus. They're embracing the culture and embracing the sin and just getting on like everyone else. If a church is like that, if a church says that they're a church and a people who want to obey God but they don't and they live like everyone else, Jesus says that's a sign of death within that church. These people, they had, most of them had spoiled their clothes. They were living in a way outside that wasn't compatible with what was being taught, perhaps inside. And then if you look what it says, there are a few in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. And then look what it says there. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. Now they will walk with me. So, so these people who are actually living for him, he says they're going to walk with me in the future. And this is also an indicator of what people were not doing in the church. They weren't walking with Jesus. Their day-to-day life wasn't with Jesus. Jesus had no impact in their everyday life. They weren't walking with him. They weren't really interested in him. They liked the church, but Jesus they were not walking with. And then it goes on, if you have a look again in the text. Verse 5, the one who is victorious, like them, will be dressed in white. I will never blot out that name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So he's also saying, look, these people, I'll not blot out their names from the book of life, and I'll acknowledge them before my Father. And this again was what the people were not doing. They weren't acknowledging Jesus' name before other people. They were ashamed of Jesus. They didn't identify with Jesus in the world they lived in. Many of these people were from the Jewish synagogue, probably. And in the Jewish synagogue, if you identified with Christ, your name was blotted out of the book of membership in the synagogue. And Jesus is basically saying, you haven't even identified me enough to be blotted out of the synagogue book. You won't identify with me. You, you won't side with me. You won't proclaim my name. You won't share my gospel. You're ashamed of me. Oh, church, you're doing so many things, so many activities, so much stuff, and you have this wonderful reputation. But you don't identify with Christ, and you don't obey Christ, and you don't walk with Christ. And that is why Jesus says that they 
our dead. Now, I don't know if you've got the picture of this church, but this is basically the model of a church who, who follow what I would call inoffensive Christianity. Christianity that does not want to offend anyone. So they do lots of good stuff and they do lots of nice things, but they don't identify with Christ or share his gospel. They're ashamed to identify with Christ. They're ashamed to preach the gospel. They are a model of inoffensive Christianity. And Jesus says that a church like this, in his estimation, is dead. Now don't get me wrong, they're still functioning. Still meeting on Sundays. Still going through the motions. Still doing their ministries. But Jesus says they're dead. It's a bit like they're water skiing. Hands up if you've ever been water skiing. Okay, a few of you. Okay, good. Okay, so if you're water skiing, um, there's a couple of things you need for water skiing. You need water skis. Okay, you need a boat. And you need a rope to hold on to. And whenever the boat goes and you've got the rope, you're going to be able to water ski. But there is a moment in water skiing, if you're going fast enough, that you can let go of the rope and you can actually keep going for a little bit. But not for long. Eventually you just sink. And so this church, they're going, but they're going having let go of the rope. They've let go of Christ. They're not preaching Christ. They're not trusting Christ. They're not following Christ. They're not leaning on Christ. They're just going on their own strength. And Jesus says they will sink if they don't repent. This church has a wonderful reputation. But the reality is that they are dead. But it's not all bad news because Jesus doesn't leave them without hope. And he doesn't leave them without instruction. He doesn't say, you're dead and uh, I've planned your funeral. He doesn't say that. No, he doesn't say that. Look what he says instead. Look at verse 2. He says, wake up. Wake up! But they're dead. Why does he say wake up if they're dead? It's because Christ is the one who can wake up even the dead. And he says to them, church, wake up. See reality here. Notice what you really are. Wake up and smell the coffee. Wake up and see that you're trying to do the stuff without Christ and you're not doing what you should be doing. Wake up and see that you're spiritually dead. And then the next thing, look at verse 2 again. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Listen, little church, whatever spiritual life there is in it, strengthen it. If there's only a handful of you who really believe this, get together and strengthen this church. Encourage the people who've drifted away. Encourage the people who've fallen away. Strengthen what remains. Strengthen one another. Strengthen your faith. Strengthen the others in this church. I also think the call there would be to strengthen the activities that are going on. If there's stuff that should be pointing to Jesus that isn't, we'll make it point to Jesus. If there's stuff that's going on and it just has nothing to do with Jesus, then bend that. Strengthen what remains. Strengthen it. And then verse 3, and I think this is the key one for a church in this situation. And by the way, 
I realize this sounds like quite a condemning sermon. I really don't think this is us, just to reiterate that. But but the other but it's in the text and this is what we're doing. So so if you look at verse three, they're also told to do something which I think is really probably the key thing. Look at verse three with me. Remember therefore what you've received and heard. Hey church, you're dying. You've drifted from Christ. I say that you're dead. What I want you to do is I want you to remember what you received and heard. Remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. Remember Christ crucified. Remember him dying there for you on the cross. Remember him rising from the dead. Remind yourself that he's the one who gives new life. Remember what you first heard and received. See, folks, I don't think that churches intentionally move away from Christ. I think they just drift over time. They get so busy doing things. They get so busy with activities. They get so busy being nice to one another and to the community. They get so busy doing all these things that I think over time, they just gradually drift from the gospel. But Jesus says, remember it. Make it central. Put it at the forefront again. Hey, little church in Sardis, you see when you get together on Sunday, Remember the gospel, preach the gospel, review the gospel. What does Paul say about the gospel? It is the power of God at work. And the gospel is what Jesus says will revive this little church that he says is dead. And then I think there's a wonderful encouragement. And it's in verse 2, the wonderful encouragement for this church. In verse 2, look what it says. It says, For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Listen, little church, this sounds very condemning. I'm telling you that you're dead. I'm telling you you need to repent. I'm telling you that you need to, to put the gospel central. But listen, let me tell you, little church, God's not finished with you yet. The, the reason I'm telling you this is because God has more for you to do. There's more for you to finish. There's more for you to accomplish in this city of Sardis. So repent. Change what you're doing. Change how you're doing things. Make Christ and the gospel the center of all that you do. As many of you know, um, I've always had a heart for church revitalization. Uh, church revitalization is this ministry of going into a church which is maybe struggling and, and with God's help and through the Spirit's leading to, to help to lead it towards new life. I've always had a heart for this and, and this verse for me is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible for all of church revitalization. It's that even a church that looks like it's dying, even a church that looks like it might be dead soon, Jesus can revive and Jesus has more for it to do if it will repent. But if a church won't do this, if a dying church won't make Christ the center, if a dying church won't do what Jesus calls, then look at 3b, because this is a scary thing. Verse 3b, the end of verse 3. But if you do not wake up, if you don't recognize this, if you don't listen, if you don't repent, if you don't make me the center, then I will come like a thief. 
and you will not know at what time I will come to you. I'll close you down. I'll take away your lampstand. I'll let you die. We don't know how the church in Sardis responded. But today Sardis isn't even inhabited. We don't know how they responded to this letter. Did they repent or did they not? We do not know. Now, as I've said, I don't think this is for us. I'm really encouraged by our church. Christ, I think, is at the center of almost everything we do. I think the reasons behind the things that we do is Christ-centered and Christ-driven. I know you as individuals, and I believe most of you walk with Christ and try to follow Christ and try to live for Christ. But my guess is that tonight, maybe as you sit here as individuals, some of you, maybe your reputation doesn't match your reality when it comes to your Christianity. Maybe tonight as you sit here, you have a reputation of being this vibrant Christian with this wonderful relationship with God. But the reality is that that's not you. Maybe tonight you're like the church and you do things and you serve and you're involved and, and, and you do lots of stuff within the church or the community and you do it for God. But maybe just now you feel spiritually dead. Maybe you feel far from God. Maybe you feel like you've, you've no real spiritual life in you at the minute. Or, or maybe for you it's that you glory in past age. Like I used to do that stuff. I used to be this vibrant Christian back then. I trusted Christ when I was young and I, and I used to have this trust in Christ but now it's not there. Maybe you glory in your past kind of spiritual life. Maybe tonight you're here and and you feel a wee bit like a whitewashed hymn. Well tonight, I don't want to condemn you. That's not the message. Tonight I don't want to tell you off. That's not the message. Tonight I simply want to remind you to look at the gospel. If you need refreshed, if you need revived, if you need spiritually life again, if you, if you need a new, a new beginning, if you need a freshness, then just look at the gospel. Look at Jesus with fresh eyes. Remember what he did for you. Remember Calvary. Remember his resurrection. And ask him to fill you again with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to enliven your heart once more. Ask him to change you inside. Dead people can't make themselves alive. <laughs> you know that, right? Dead people cannot make themselves alive. Only God can do that. So tonight, if that's you, look to God, look to Christ, turn to him and ask him to bring you back to life. And I just want you to know that no matter what age you are, your deeds are not finished. God has things for you to do. He's got people he wants you to pray for faithfully. He's got people he wants you to invite to church. He's got people he wants you to share the gospel with. He's got people he wants you to get alongside and encourage. He's got people he wants you to disciple. The Lord is not finished with you tonight. Even if you're in this place where you feel a bit spiritually dead, God is not finished with you. And I hope that brings you encouragement. Let's pray together.
Our Father in heaven, we're aware that there are churches who have wonderful reputations, but who have slowly drifted away from Christ. Drifted away from his teachings, drifted away from his gospel, drifted away from his purposes and his commands. And Father, we would pray for those churches that they would wake up and recognize that this has happened and that you'd help them to repent and come back to Christ and to make him and his gospel the central thing of all they do. Father, we also pray for this congregation and for this church, which we love so much. Lord, we are so thankful for the reputation that we do have in our local community. We're so thankful for the things that we're doing just now. But Lord, we pray against complacency. May Christ always be the center of what we're doing here. May his gospel always be the thing we want to proclaim to the world. Lord, may we not be afraid to offend people with the good news of Jesus. May we identify with Christ always. And Lord, we just pray for those here tonight who may be feeling a bit spiritually dead. Maybe on the outside they're portraying that they're full of vibrancy in their faith, but maybe inside they're struggling or dead. Lord, I pray that as they look at Jesus afresh, as they remember the gospel, as they remember his grace and his love and his mercy, that you would fill them with your spirit and make them alive once more. Oh Lord, may we be a church which are fully alive in you. Amen.